Yeah. Miracles do happen. I, uh, um, my name is Drew Smith, the uh, pastor here. Again, welcome to you that are here and those that may be joining with us uh, on online. And we're um, in the middle of a, a series as we're walking through the Paul's letter to the church at, at Rome um, that really the basic point that he's making that we've been focusing on is how we are in harmony um, with one another. And so a great illustration of uh, that, how we are in harmony um, in, in Jesus. Um, but t- today, as we actually will start at the beginning, we, we've been we're sort of going through it backwards. And now we'll start at 1 and we'll um, go through um, chapter 8 in these next uh, couple of months. Um, so as we look at chapter 1, the, the question that comes to mind for me is how do you respond when somebody says to you, I've got good news and bad news? Yeah, how do you respond to that? And then when they ask, which do you want first? Yeah, well, how, how, my, I can tell you, for me... My initial response is dread because they said bad news. You know, I mean, are you like that? You know, you sort of just latch on to the the bad news. And then I I say, well, I want the bad news first so I can get it over with and find out exactly just how bad it is. And then maybe we can end uh, on a positive note with the with the good. But but I think our, our notion is that we just we go to the, the bad news. We gravitate there. We, we want to know about that. And because, as we've seen, you know, bad news is what travels fast. Bad, bad news, good news seems to travel really slowly. Um, we, we've talked about that in terms of like on, on social media, that what gets clicked more often is the bad news, not the good news. What sells newspapers and what leads the news is the bad news, not not the, the good news. And, and this weekend, you know, this is the, the first, the inaugural celebration of, of Juneteenth as a federal holiday. The story of Juneteenth is a grand story of how slowly good news travels. Because as you you know, uh, uh, 1863 was the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, when Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves by federal decree, the slaves in, in the South, in the Confederacy. Well, Juneteenth was June 19th, 1865. And that is when the announcement of the Emancipation Proclamation made its way and was officially announced in Galveston, Texas which was the southwest corner of the Confederacy. So it took two and a half years for that good news to get from D.C. all the way to Galveston, Texas. That was two months after the Civil War had ended. But it took that long. That's, that's, that's uh, how slowly good news travels and how much uh, bad news wants to take over and overwhelms us. And that's what Paul is going to do here in Romans. These first couple chapters, he's going to give the bad news. And he'll give us a little hint of the good news, but then he's going to go into the bad news. And for Paul, he does that partially, I think, because we want the bad news first, so then we can get the good news. And he knows the bad news. He's going to spend about two and a half, three chapters in the bad news. Then the other 13 chapters are on the good news. He knows we need to hear more of the good news than the bad news because we gravitate, then latch on to that bad news. And also, he's going to give us the bad news first because it makes the good news that much more meaningful. 
Now, that, that's happened to me also. As a father, happy Father's Day to everyone. Uh, remember a phone call from a child that was led with bad news. You know, Dad, uh, I was in a car accident. The car was totaled and the other truck was coming by and it lost control, spun out, pushed me into the, the guardrail. But, you know, the, the police are here and they're, they're getting our insurance information. And so can you come pick me up? That was a summary of that phone call. Um, but the bad news was my child is calling me distraught, had a car accident, and the car is totaled. And uh, little did I know until I went to try to go uh, pick the child up um, that the wreck had blocked 74, or 75 to 74 interchange where you moved to go. It totally had blocked that. So uh, on my way there, but that was the bad news. But the good news also came out. And it made the good news really good news. One, my child was talking, had called me, was alive, there it was fine, the police were there, and um, the uh, person, it wasn't, wasn't my child's fault, and the person whose fault it was had insurance. You know? So all the good news was right there. Uh, without the bad news, the good news would have either been taken for granted or meaningless. You know, I had no interest in this truck, and if the person driving the truck had insurance or not. But the bad news made that extremely good news. And all the other good news that was a part of that conversation. So, that's another reason that Paul gives us the bad news first, is so um, it makes the good news that much more meaningful. So, we're going to start with Romans chapter 1, starting with verse 16. Uh, the beginning section is, is more introduction and, and, and the great stuff, but uh, um, it's uh, going to take long enough just to walk through the first part of the chapter. So, But you can go through and, and read that yourself and, and capture uh, that introduction. And then as Paul gives us a brief intro to the good news and then jumps to the bad news. Let's, uh, so chapter 1, verse 16, let's pray together. Almighty God, again, thank you for your written word. Thank, thank you for how it speaks to us. It gives us clarity and, and specificity of, of your goodness and your beauty. It reminds us regularly of what we've been singing about, that you are our light, that you are faithful. Now, may you, your spirit take your written word and, and write it in, in our souls uh, so that those of us who are following you will uh, uh, be taught and be uh, appropriately guided and directed, be encouraged and supported um, uh, to, to obey and follow after you. And those that, that don't know you will, will hear of, of your call to them and turn to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. 
For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So, they are without excuse. For although they know God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sometimes we give that thanks with a little more gusto. Um, uh, uh, But it's tough to do that after the sobering bad news that is the majority of what Paul's saying here. But the... uh, he starts with the good news. He, he want, again, he wants to give us that hope. He wants to say there, there is good news. And so know that this, this is the case. This is the, and that's what gospel, the word gospel means good news. And so Paul's saying, here is the good news that he's bringing. That God makes a way for anyone to live with God in the fullness of life forever. And we know that since we're reading it backwards. We've heard that in other sections of Romans. The second, the, the, the latter half of the letter to the Romans. He, he makes it clear that anybody, anytime, anywhere can entrust their lives to God to be saved. To, to attain God's salvation. This is the good news. This is the gospel. That this is the power of God. God is able to save us from whatever he's saving us from. He's able to rescue us from whatever he's rescuing us from so that we can be with God forever. And and he tells us in the beginning part, it's the righteousness of God that is revealed here. The the righteousness that that God makes things right. That God promises to make a way for anyone and everyone to be right with God through faith. That, That sense of righteousness is not just the character of God that he does right things, but it's even relating to his relationship specifically. He's promised creation that he will make things right. 
and that he will make a way to be right with God for anyone and everyone. So that's what is revealed here. This good news. God will make us right. God will save us. But that begs the question, what's he saving us from? This is the good news. Okay, what's the bad news? What's he rescuing us from? This salvation that he's bringing. What is that relating to? What is that salvation from? And this is where he starts in verse 18. This is the bad news. That everyone has denied God's truth and deserves God's wrath. Everyone has denied God's truth and deserves God's wrath. I mean, the bad news here, God's wrath, it's never easy to talk about. This is not, I did not sleep well last night. There are difficult elements of this passage that Paul is speaking to us, but it is important to understand and recognize God's judgment, God's anger, God's wrath. Because Paul talks about it a lot and Jesus talks about it a lot also. And there are uh, other passages that you can, can read that, that speak to us of that it is essential that God, who is righteous, will make things right. That God in his wrath opposes that which is evil, that which is wrong. Anything that is in opposition to God's righteousness, anything that transgresses God's very good creation... Anything or anyone who hinders or decreases the beauty and glory of God that is all around will face the opposition, will face the direct wrath judgment of God. I mean, it's no different or, well, it's similar. It is different. It is similar to how you and I respond when we're wronged. You know, if someone maligns our character publicly, if someone harms our body, if someone steals from our stuff, we, we want justice, right? We oppose those actions and we want those things to be made right. And so we have that understanding, that sense of righteousness and that sense of wanting justice. And so does God. Similarly, but also dissimilarly from you and I. I mean, we tend to respond in an emotional fervor. At least I do. When somehow I am wronged or hurt or someone has invaded into my, my stuff and space inappropriately or something has. And, and what we tend to do as humans is that we want uh, not just justice, but we want the other person to hurt just like we've been hurt. You know, we, we, we respond in that emotional sense. And that's not God. God is not human. And so God does not respond in that way. I mean, it's sort of silly sometimes how we respond. You know, have you ever done this? You know, you're, you're walking, you know, somewhere and you accidentally kick something, you know, and you stub your toe or it hit, hits your foot, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, you reach down, you're, ah, you know, you fall to the ground and all that. And then I'm on, on the ground. Have you done this before? And I kick the chair or table that that I hit you know you ever you you had never done that yeah it, it's just or I or I hit see the chair and I you know and I'm uh, throw it down you know like somehow I'm going to hurt the table or chair you know that that's but that that can be our re, our reaction our response and that that is not the way of of God's response to what is evil 
God's response, again, is, is direct, it's clear, and it's, it's right. Because God will make all things right. A, a day will come when everything will be made right and all evil will be destroyed. And um, John talks about that in the last couple chapters of the book of Revelation. Um, so, it, but in, in God's wrath, God will correct all that is evil. Now, what's interesting in this passage, uh, Paul talks specifically about how God relates, God's wrath relates to us in our lives. And the most common phrase that he uses here is in verse 24, 26, and 28. Maybe you, you caught it here. That it's, it's actually a little more passive that God gives us up. God gives us humans over to the desires that we have to do what we think is right instead of what God says is right. Again, you look at verse 24, um, 26, and 28, you, you see that, that, well, God gave them over to this. God's wrath, in this way, it, it, what's described most plainly here, God's wrath includes God allowing us humans the agency to reject God, reject God's truth, and then suffer the consequences. It's sort of like a boat tied to a dock you know, on the Ohio River. You know, and it's like God just says, okay, you want to go? Then you're gone. And the, the dock releases and the boat just floats you know, along with the current. That, that's that's the, the most common picture here of God's wrath. And the other one is that at the end, God makes all things right. That is the character of God. So the bad news then, again, is everyone deserves God's wrath because all have denied God's truth that is clearly displayed in creation. So, you know, this, this, this wrath is clearly displayed in, in creation. Verse 19 and 20. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For this invisible, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. I mean, what we're talking about here is what we call general revelation. You know, that, that God's character, God's goodness, God's beauty is, is, is evident to us in what we see uh, around us. Um, this week, we uh, sent out a, um, uh, on Instagram and Facebook, a, a post with pictures, you know, the Grand Canyon, of the Adirondacks, of, of the Gulf Coast. It just said, you know, these pictures just display the beauty and glory of God. And it leads us to say, where did this come from? How is this, is this just the product of time, a whole lot of time and chance that created such beauty? And in our souls, the depth of our souls, we know that he came from one who is an intelligent designer. That he came from a creator. You know, another way that we, we know that and experience that is just that we have a sense of justice. We have a sense of right and wrong within us. Um, uh, you, you see this, uh, you know, so the uh, uh, Juneteenth in 1865, well, it took another 100, 100 years for the good news to travel to fully, through the Civil Rights Act, through the federal laws, to fully outlaw racial discrimination. 
So it took a hundred years to get there. But you know what was the, the, the clever wisdom of folks who were leading the civil rights movement? Yeah, uh, Reverend Shuttlesworth, Dr. King, Rosa Parks, uh, Fannie Lou Hamer. It was that they used this sense of justice that is within us. They, they used that to accomplish, to, to sort of turn the tides by, by then using a new thing called television. And they had the news watch, uh, sh- demonstrate nonviolent protests. Um, and then the violent reaction of the authorities with dogs and billy clubs and hoses. And then that got shown around the world because of this television. And the, the people that saw it and what the leaders of the civil rights, uh, movement knew what happened was people would see that and they would see this is wrong this 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 shouldn't happen i mean th- this is uh th- this woman does not need to be getting beat beat by this billy club these kids don't need to be having dogs or fire hoses on them something is wrong here and the tide turned because we've got this sense of justice and rightness within us where, where does that come from Unless it comes, it's an echo of the very creation of God who created all things very good. Um, last one, do you, um, the movie Gravity. It's about eight years old now. Uh, George Clooney and Sandra Bullock were in it. And Sandra, they were astronauts. Sandra Bullock, uh, her character was Ryan Stone, I think. And, um, and, and they were uh, out uh, in outer space. Sandra Bullock is on the, the, their capsule that's orbiting the Earth. She's trying to repair it. And then they get hit by a bunch of uh, uh, space trash, you know, asteroids and other um, uh, uh, vacated, like, uh, spacecraft and stuff and it knocks her off um, and she just goes flying into into space and the whole movie then sorry spoiler alert it is about how um, then they negotiate to catch her and get her back in a capsule and eventually uh, get her back to uh, to earth and, and it's just um, definitely something that raises your heart rate and, and all the rest but again spoiler alert she does get back to earth and in the last scene you know, she's been in outer space, so no gravity, so she can hardly walk. So she's sort of pulling herself on the ground, and she, laying down, prostrate on the ground, she she puts her hands, uh, fills her hands with soil, and in her tears and her laughter, she just whispers, "Thank you, thank you." And I remember when I was watching that movie, who's she thanking? You know, where where is that gratitude going? You know, in, in that moment, she. She's showing there, there is a gratitude for something that is overseeing what she has gone through. You know, it's a common phrase, there's no, no atheist in foxholes. Um, and what we see is that's what Paul says folks have jettisoned. Uh, that, that sense of God being the creator. Uh, verse 21, 23. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. That in, instead of giving um, thanks for God's gift, we as humans want to take it and then go do our own thing. 
We want to take what we have and do what we want to do. We suppress or avoid the truth. We ignore or avoid the reality of God. I mean, in the moment, we want to do our own thing. Instead of admit there is a God who is a greater, who is the provider, and who is worthy of our worship. We avoid God. We ignore God. As I said, we just want to do our own thing. You know, we, we all do that in different ways. Right? I, there's many times I don't, I don't want to know the rules so that I can plead ignorant and go do what I want to do. I can remember many conversations with my siblings. Let's not tell mom and dad. Let's just go do it. Yeah, and uh, I have uh, seen that with my own kids as well. You know, or rolling down. No, officer, I had no idea what the speed limit was. Our natural tendency is to go our own way. Is, is to deny God's rightful place in our lives. Now, it takes a lot of effort to pull that off, but, but we do it. And that is part of our human um, frailty and failings. We exchange God's wisdom for our own wisdom. Now, the one point of application as we go into this, is one point for sure is just to ask yourself, how do you do that in your own life? You know, what are the, the, the small ways that you just avoid God, you ignore God, you want to go your own way, so you just don't talk to God about it? Well, may, maybe there's even something going on in your life right now. That that's, that's the case. And you've heard me say plenty of times that the most foolish thing we can ever do is try to hide from God. I mean, we can hide from one another. We can hide uh, from even our closest friends. But we can't hide from God. And so, but yet we continually seek to do that. We exchange God's wisdom for our own wisdom. And that's the other uh, common word that Paul uses in this passage. He, he uses the one that God gives them over, says that three times. And then three times he says, and we exchange the glory of God for our own glory. We exchange the authority of God for our own. We exchange the, 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 the creator for the creation. I mean, he says that a couple times in here, that we want to make the things of creation our God. We want to make idols. We want to make something around us. And in first century Rome, you know, they made real idols that would sit on their tables or on their shelves. And for us, we make idols of other things around creation, you know, whether it's money or pleasure or comfort or, or peace or whatever it is that we make idols that we place above God. Then in verse 26, uh, Paul makes clear here that we exchange the natural for the unnatural. Now here's the other very challenging passage for us in our day. Because in this passage, Paul calls out directly and corrects homosexual behavior. So I want to take a, a minute and I want to unpack this a little bit and talk about it in lieu of our current context. Our, our session and our denomination and myself individually also understand and interpret this passage to teach that God's intent and design for human sexuality is to be between a man and a woman in the commitment of marriage. Now, some Christians that I know and who I respect have a different interpretation. I know of other churches and denominations that have a different 
perspective and interpretation of this passage. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Recall, this is first century Rome that Paul's talking to. So he's not just talking to a vacuum. He's talking to a particular audience in that day. Uh, addressing as he does often. He'll go back and forth. He'll talk to the Gentiles and the Greeks and he'll talk to the Jews. And here he's talking specifically to the Gentiles and Greeks. He's really addressing Roman culture in that day. And and I believe and understand that Roman culture in that day, from what I've read and and, and studied of the history of, of that period, had a widespread acceptance of homosexual behavior with both committed relationships and also wildly loose practice in pagan temples and multiple partners and in prostitution. So homosexuality was commonly enough practice that Paul could refer to it in a common enough way that all of his hearers would have understood what he was saying. Others disagree. They believe that Paul is addressing just the pagan temple and just the multiple partners and, and is not addressing the notion of committed relationships of those that have same-sex attraction. Their, their understanding is that the unnaturalness that Paul is talking about here is when heterosexuals participate in homosexual relationships. Now, I share this, and again, I, I disagree with their interpretation. We as a session, session has in our denomination does we think it's it's relating to all of the homosexual behavior that is occurring in Rome in that day but i share this with you just to affirm that there are committed jesus followers who can be who can disagree on important significant things and um, can uh, be wrong cuz one of us is wrong but i fully believe that uh, i got plenty of friends who disagree with me on that, but I know they are seeking to follow Jesus. It's just, I think they're wrong on that. This is the good news. This is part of the good news. None of us have everything right. Now, as I've told you plenty of times, I don't know anything that I will teach and believe that is wrong. I just don't know. But I know there's something that is wrong. But I believe it's right. And my friends who believe differently uh, have the similar notion. They interpret the Bible differently than I do. I believe wrongly, but differently. For us as a church, then, what does that mean for us? We, uh, I, I get this uh, question um, every couple months. Uh, actually, uh, folks will email or call and ask, "How? what are you as a church? How do you understand the LGBTQIA um, population? How do you understand folks that are same-sex attracted? Um, well, for us as a church, we invite anyone and everyone at any time to come join with us to pursue Jesus. Anyone, any, at any time, anywhere to come pursue Jesus. But uh, understand that what we, how we understand God's intent and design for human sexuality is between a man and a woman in the commitment of marriage. So we are about helping and supporting anyone and everyone that wants to live in that way. We partner with a ministry who particularly um, reaches out to folks who have same-sex attraction, who have the same commitment, believing this is what God's design and intent is for sexuality. And how do I live in obedience to God with this same-sex attraction? And the ministry helps them and leads them in that way. 
It's called design and intent ministry. Some of you may remember it. It used to be called prodigal, but it's called design and intent um, ministries. And through that ministry, I know uh, a couple uh, couples where one of the individuals has same-sex attraction. They believe this is what God teaches. And they've now been married with children for 25, 35 years, one of the couples. Seeking to follow, believing this is what God teaches. This is God's design and intent and how we live in this way. Now, that ministry is not about what you hear before, uh, conversion therapy. It doesn't focus on changing people's attraction. The focus is on what Paul speaks to here. How do we know and follow what we understand to be God's design for God's very good creation? All right, let's back out of that specific one. Now, again, to look at the the big picture once again. The ultimate point here, the ultimate point is for everyone, the bad news. All are without excuse before God and all deserve to die. Verse 20 um, uh, says that uh, all are without excuse. Then verse 32, he says clearly the end result of our transgressions of God's design is death. And in saying death, he's referring back to Adam and Eve. Where God said, don't eat of this fruit or you'll surely die. And what did he mean there? That death was a death in your relationship with God. A separation from God. Because we go our own way. We reject, ignore God. We exchange God for something of our own making or liking. And that separation from God is the death that he's speaking about here. Um, the, the bad news is for any and all. And that last section, the last section, Paul just lists a whole bunch of things of just trying to cast his net wide to say, this involves all of us. And if there is a, a confession for the church is that we tend to focus on sexuality sins more than the others. And there are way too many times that we, and we tend to focus on the sexuality sin that doesn't impact us. You know, so for us, our journey is not just for same-sex attracted, but also heterosexually attracted. Or multiple attractions. So that we make our attraction ultimately to Jesus in anything and everything that we do. Now again, Paul gives us the bad news so that you and I, so that we, whoever hears this, can fully appreciate the good news. Back to the first passage, God's power and God's faithfulness, God's faithful righteousness invites you and me and anyone to entrust your life to God as the leader of your life. And with him, you will have life with him now and forever. It is salvation by faith. No matter what mess you're in, no matter what issue you have caused, no matter what trouble you're in, no matter what your inordinate attraction is, or how out of whack your desires are, God and His power and righteousness have said, I've made a way for you through Jesus. And if if that's you today, if if you have a a sense, I've been trying to go my own way, then make today the day of your salvation. Say, all right, God, I'm ready to try with you. I'm ready to check out Jesus. And, And you know, one of the ways that we do that is through a, a small group a, a format called Alpha. 
Uh, where we're going to start one this summer. Where it's just a small group of people, and any question is there. You get some teaching, and you get some discussion. Any question you can ask, anything you want to explore, this is free game. This is, as I say to many places, this is the place where we say, if you now be nice and be respectful, but you know you don't have to hold back. What are your questions? What are your challenges? What what is what is your anger? What is your frustration? What are you wondering about? What are you struggling with God about? What are your doubts or the ways that you push back? And you can um, find out more about that. You can sign up for that at chpc.org slash alpha. Or if you just want to talk uh, further about chpc.org um, uh, slash info. And I'll get that e- email and we'll, we can, we can connect and talk further. Or, or specifically today, if, if you are one who is challenged with same-sex attraction, and you believe, yes, this is what God teaches. This is God's good intent and design. Then I invite you to just go to Design and Intent Ministries. You can Google Design and Intent Ministries and contact them, and they will connect with you and talk to you further about what they offer. Because our design, God's design and intent for us is to lead us into the fullness of life. And he has made that way possible in his power and his righteousness through the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. Amen.